Hey everyone, welcome to The Start. I'm Patrick Johnson, and in this episode we're with Nathan Bashaw. Nathan's a damn good developer, and he's currently a product manager at General Assembly, where he helped build Dash. Um, it's probably one of their newer interactive products for their community and anyone out there who wants to learn um, how to build websites with HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. Prior to General Assembly, he was a Pixel Cowboy and employee number two at Olark. Nathan, what's going on, man? How's it going? It's going pretty good. It's snowing over here again. We just can't get yeah. past it, but it's good. How is it over there in San Francisco? <laughs> Probably warm. It's, it's warm. It's about the same as it is all year. I, um, <laughs> I kind of realized recently that there's just no seasons at all. It's basically like eternally just spring. Like It's just kind yep. of like between 55 and 75, 80, just all year. That's how do you, it. <laughs> how do you know what day of the week it is? You just don't. <laughs> so I have to ask a random question before we start with the Q and A. Sure. Um, How do you feel about the Seahawks 49ers game? Granted, it was like two weeks ago from now, but yeah. Um, man, I feel almost nothing at all. <laughs> That's probably good. Yeah, I don't really watch football. <laughs> but you'll watch but, um, the Super Bowl, right? I'll definitely watch the Super Bowl. Okay. I'm excited. My parents will actually be in town, so we'll get to hang out. And oh, watch the dude, Super Bowl that'll be fun, man. My dad, who does watch football, so that'll be fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I'm like a sort of fair weather fan. Um, so like important games, exciting games, I'll watch those, but uh, there's really... nothing wrong with that. The only things I really watch are football and basketball. Every other sport gotcha. I'll watch the playoff or the championship guaranteed. Cause it's worth it. Right. The two yeah. best teams in whatever that sport is. Right. Right. It'll probably be a good one. Well, and the world cup is coming up, so I'm definitely going to be watching that. That'll um, be fun. I'm not like huge into soccer, but my girlfriend's getting me into it. So yeah. Yeah, that'll be a good yeah. time. And then everybody will like to play soccer again, too, so that's not bad. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> All right, so Nathan, I know I gave a brief introduction, but why don't you go into a little bit more detail about who you are, what you do, all that good stuff. Yeah, totally. Um, so I'm a product manager at General Assembly, and I joined about a year ago. Um, and I started off just kind of as a contractor, um, working on this sort of skunkworksy type project to help teach people online for free um, in kind of like a fun, interactive way how to do front-end web development. Um, because we have front-end courses where you like have to be in one of our you know physical camp- campuses and there's sure. like an instructor and it costs money and all that. Um, so we wanted something that could kind of uh, help gradually introduce people to stuff kind of for our own students. And then, you know, they liked it so much, we realized, hey, like we should just open this thing up a lot more broadly. Yeah. Um, so, so anyway, I've, yeah, I've been there for like a year now, um, working for probably about half of the time just on my own. And then the second half of the time has been about kind of building a team and working on a few other projects and doing, doing more things. That's awesome. Um, all right. So I think that's a good little primer. 
Um, usually what we do here is we ask the following question, which is, how'd you get started in the field of, you know, design development, product management, um, in terms of what you do? So like not so much Olark or GA, but what was that right. first little inkling that was like, hey, right, let, totally. me, let me learn about this stuff. Yeah. Um, when I was in high school and college, I did debate mm-hmm. and, that was really the first thing for me where I felt like I was I was good at it. Because <laughs> I played sports and stuff. So, right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Much to the dismay of my parents. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, and, like, I don't know. Like, I, I really liked that kind of intellectual exercise, I guess, of mm-hmm. having to do a lot of research, having to come up with a position, defending it. Um, it's just, you know, it's all about ideas. It's basically, like, which is a better idea or is this a good idea or a bad idea? It's just, you know, yeah, it's talking. Um, and then sort of halfway through college, I realized that at a certain point it's, you know, you kind of have to stop just arguing and it's, it'd be better to kind of do things in the world. Cause debates are very like insular, you know, yeah. it's a game, it's small. And it's not like a game like football. That's like culturally relevant. It's like, you know, it's, it's, it's cloistered off from the rest yeah. of society. These guys um, over here are doing that thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I started thinking, like, you know, because what we talk about in debate is policy, um, like, politics as a thing to go into, you know, like, maybe to work for a public policy, like, institute, or, like, maybe work for, like, an elected official or something. Um, so I had some internships. Mm-hmm. Um, and Within the, politics? Yeah, I worked for a congressman in D.C. who... Okay. <laughs> it's funny how these things work. My dad just kind of, like... I'm from Arkansas, um, and my dad... They moved, like, when I went to college, and he, like, works at the School of Business in, like, a small town. Okay. And so, like, the, a business school dean is, you know, like, in a small town, like, one of the, like, constituents or whatever. So the yeah. guy who I worked for, um, basically my dad just, like, called up one of the guys, and he was like, oh, yeah, we can for sure do something for your son. And it's funny because, like, <laughs> actually awesome. at the at, – I remember the congressman in question <laughs> who I worked for took us all out to dinner, like, all the interns – and he, like, sat us around the table, and he got kind of serious. You know, we were all just joking around, whatever, waiting for the food to come. And he was like, I want you all to know that you're very special to me, and you're all here, you know, because your parents in particular are very special to me. So I want you to go back and tell them what a good time you had and how I took care of you. <laughs> and that they should write me a check. Right, exactly. Exactly, yeah. It's funny how that shit works. Like, um, yeah. he wasn't even pretending it was a meritocracy. But it was, like, you know... You couldn't be completely stupid, but, like, I don't have any illusions that I did really much to, like, deserve that. But anyway, the point is that it was pretty boring, too, um, the internship itself. Like, yeah. the guy was great. I don't want to say anything about the congressman. He's he's an awesome, uh, like, uh, just, he was super frank and, like, candid when we talked and stuff. And it was really cool to sort of get to see how stuff really happens. Um, but, you know, as an intern, you don't have a lot of ability to do anything and i realized like even a lot of the people who have jobs there you know and aren't just interns like really they don't have a lot of autonomy to just like a lot of people have great ideas but there's this whole system right that like prevents just random ideas from happening because Mm -hmm. you know that's power right the power to just do well and it's politics too and it's public facing so it's like well we need to pick and choose like what looks good all that kind of stuff Yeah. yeah so i realized like kind of 
the purity of just trying out ideas of things that might be a good thing to do. Like it's very hard to, it's very hard within the political system to do that. Um, you just, there's all this other stuff that's involved and, um, I don't know. I just didn't think that I wanted to like spend my career doing that. It was just kind of like a gut feeling. It was also kind of hazy, you know, like you don't really know what you're doing or what you're talking about. You just kind of, you have a feeling that you want to go some other direction. Mm -hmm. But I remember, I vividly remember sitting at the like crappy, you know, Dell computer that they give you (laughs) at my desk. Um, It's like, you know, one of like the cheapest PCs you can get with like Windows XP or whatever in like 2009 when this was. Um, (laughs) And I was sitting at my intern desk and basically like somehow I stumbled on the internet upon an essay by Paul Graham. And I discovered Hacker News around the same time, too, during this internship. And I was like, oh, yeah, like, this is the ticket. This sounds really cool. Like, this guy's really smart. Startup seems like a great thing to do. Um, So I basically came back with, like, this seed of kind of like, oh, okay, it would be cool to, like, you know, start a business and thinking about, like, startups and technology as, like, something that I might want to get into. Um, But when I got back, I actually, like, just went back into another internship for a guy who was running for governor. (laughs) <laughs> so it, you know it doesn't like it's not like there's a clean break or whatever sure um and i got that internship it was kind of crazy because the guy um hadn't like his name is rick snyder and no one had heard of him at the time mm-hmm. because he was just like the coo of gateway and like a vc afterwards or something like that mm-hmm. in the 90s um and you know so he was running for governor kind of as like the business candidate or whatever mm-hmm. um but he was also like pretty progressive, you know. He was sort of like the the business candidate that's into startups, not like yeah. the business candidate that's into like I don't know oil companies or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> there's different types, I guess. Um, but anyway, so no one had really heard of him, and so there's literally just a contact form on his website that I remember I was filling out when I was in D.C. Just thinking about what I would do when I got back to Michigan, where I was mm-hmm. I was going to school at Michigan State at the time. This is okay. like over the summer. This is like summer after freshman year. And, um, and so I just like filled out this form and, um, I got an email response, like literally from Rick Snyder <laughs> <laughs> and I was just kind of like, it was funny cause the, the, the forum was like, what's your idea for like how to improve Michigan or like reinvent Michigan was kind of the like campaign slogan or whatever. Yeah. And so I was like, here's some idea, blah, 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 blah. Um, by the way, I'm like in DC now for an internship, but when I get back, I would love to, you know, maybe help out with your campaign. And so, yeah, so he responded, he was like, Oh, let me introduce you to my campaign manager or whatever. And the campaign manager was like, cool. Let me introduce you to this other guy. Another guy was like, cool. Let me introduce. (laughs) And so it took a little bit. It was like at at first, like, you know, and within like a day I got an email from Rick Snyder himself and I was like, holy crap. But then, you know, kind of got passed down the chain a little bit, but finally I got in. Um, and I got an internship there and that was a lot of fun. Um, and it was cool to kind of see how this guy with the business background had been able to come in mm-hmm. and like do a lot without sort of being, um, being sort of in the political system his whole career. Yeah. Um, so I thought like, okay, maybe I'll like come back and do something like that if ever, like I get the opportunity, but you know, seems like, seems like startups would be a, a cool way to spend kind of my the bulk of my career just because mm-hmm. you have so much more so I, I guess like creative control yeah well especially <laughs> when something... you're young too yeah oh yeah definitely definitely um yeah because you don't really get to do much in politics like until you're 
yeah, pretty old. Like, if you want to have a lot of credibility. Yeah. Um, or at least you've been in the system. I don't know. It just, yeah. I know, I, it just didn't really appeal to me. So, um, so then I, like, you know, being a part of that campaign, thinking about, like, what um, Michigan needed, which was a lot of startups to, like, help kind of the economy, right, and, like, new businesses growing, um, I started thinking, you know, about working on stuff on my own. And I had always been kind of interested in computers and like I remember when I was in like middle school somehow I figured out how to get like a stolen copy of Photoshop on my computer. That's how we always, all like, start. Yeah, right. And I was like playing around with that, you know, and like I took a class at some point in middle school also where I like learned how to make flash like like little interactive flash yeah, things and like cool. animations and stuff like that. Yeah, there's this it was really cool. There was a computer class that was basically just like completely self directed. It was like come in and like do whatever you want and then just, you know, tell the teacher what you're doing. But there was no like, you know, lesson plan or anything. It was kind of crazy. And actually the guy who ran it that first year, like most of the predictably, right? Like most of the kids in the class just did absolutely nothing. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, you're like middle school yeah. kids. I was, yeah, I was oh, in like I sixth grade. Okay, I'm not. Yeah, totally. I was in like sixth grade. Um, but like, I, I don't know, me and a friend got really interested in like taking apart computers and playing around with Flash. And like, I remember they even had like AutoCAD and stuff like that. Oh, on wow. there. So yeah, I just like played around with a bunch of stuff. And I probably also, in retrospect, was doing pretty much nothing. But you know, I was, <laughs> it was fun. I learned like, basically, the key lesson I learned from that was like, to figure out how to make a computer do something, you just have to like, press a bunch of buttons. And, you know, eventually the button will do the thing you want it to do. And, like, worst case scenario, you've got to restart the computer. Like, that's pretty... Yeah, basically. (laughs) Yeah, I think a lot of people are just afraid to, like, press... They never learn to, like, press buttons chaotically enough to, like, learn to make things happen. I think that definitely came in handy later when I, like, was, you know, thinking about learning to code on my own in college. Um, But, yeah. I think a lot of it, too, is... uh, Sorry to interject, but... um... Oh, Totally. We don't we, we weren't grown up to really understand and be okay with failure, right? And the idea yeah. is that if you do it wrong, it's a failure. But not necessarily like, you know, coding that's not the case. If you do it wrong, you just need to restart your computer or fix it. Yeah. Um and that's sort of how you get there. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah, but like the whole I mean, I was always terrible at school. I got pretty bad grades and stuff and I just I don't know. Once I found debate, that was also like a good excuse for me because it's kind of plausible deniability. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like I was off just doing drugs. Like, I was doing debate. Come on. <laughs> I skipped class because I wanted to, like, prep for my debate tournament that was happening that weekend. That's honorable. Yeah. No, that's okay. That's totally okay. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> so you mentioned you mentioned yeah. that you started getting into, like, coding and stuff in college. Yeah. Yeah, that was around, like, sophomore year when I started thinking about, instead of doing politics, um, doing something in startups. Um and so, man, I think the first thing that I did was, like, volunteered to build a website for some... I was in, like, after I quit debate, I, like, joined Model UN. <laughs> and, because, uh, you know, I just yeah. couldn't really quite kick the habit. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, I think I, like, made the website and the logo and everything for the Model UN Club at Michigan State. Um, and I think they still use that logo, but not the website. <laughs> That's fair. But, um, well, it sounds like it's yeah. probably either really good logo or they haven't found anybody else yet. Yeah, right. Probably a combination of the two. Not really good logo. It was, pa- it was pa- passable logo. Fair. Um, but anyway, so 
Um, I just I kind of wonder about like what old crusty Illustrator file they like pass around. <laughs> yeah. you know? Oh, by the way, you can only use CS2. Right. So make sure you have CS2. If you don't go to the computer lab, they have it. Yeah, exactly. Look, it's in the back. There's the old Macs that are like, you know, the kind with the little round base, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's definitely the way that MSU library is. There's like a few Macs. Um, really? And I always try to go straight to those, yeah. Actually, I think USF, uh, University of South Florida in Tampa, it was the same mm-hmm. way. Um, yeah, just like a couple. <laughs> yeah, and they were like somewhere, and you had to go like ask IT for them or something. Yeah. It was it was bad. But uh um, so you built that website for them, right? Yeah, um, I built the website just cuz like I kind of wanted to learn cuz I started thinking like okay, like you know, I can't just be the guy who's like, "Hey, here's my brilliant idea, like programmer, build it for me." Um I figured out that that probably wouldn't work. Um and I thought like, you know, how hard can it be? It seems like it's fun. Like I'm kind of interested in computers and stuff anyway. Yeah. Um so this sounds good. So yeah, I made that website, um, and then I like, I figured out a way to quit my job by just like making websites for people. Because um, what I was, were like, you doing some... at the time? Uh, I was working at this is another thing my dad got for me. Um, <laughs> this like it was the Center for International Business Education and Research or something like that. Okay, um, it was in the business school. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. they it's there's this they basically have this website called Global Edge. And it's got, like, all this information about international business. Like, what it's like to do business in some, like, country. Like, what regulations they have or, like, mm-hmm. what the business culture is and stuff like that. Um, and it's kind of interesting. Um, but, you know, I didn't, like, I didn't love it. It was okay. It was, at first I really liked it, but then it got kind of boring. Because um, you just, you know, you're, it's like, a lot of it was data entry. And there was an uh, aspect okay. of, like, cool stuff. Like, I remember my big thing freshman year working there was, like, convince them that we should have a blog and, like, a Twitter account. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was, like, my main contribution probably. Um, but, yeah, so um, so, <laughs> so uh, I, I managed to quit that job just, like, building websites for people um, somewhere around, like, sophomore or junior year, I think. Okay. Um, and... Uh, I would, like, just, like, I had a bunch of friends and, like, people, like, there are even, there's, like, all these kind of adults that were interested in helping Michigan State students who were interested in startups, like, um, this guy, like, Paul Jakes, or, like, I don't know, I'm just listing out random names, it's not relevant to this, but the point is, is they, like, worked for the university, kind of, or, like, Mm -hmm. around the university, Kind of like the university industrial complex. Yeah. I don't know. You know how it is in like a town where the university is really the only business in town. Yep. Like that's the main thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's all these things that are like either affiliated with or like loosely or closely with the university. Anyway, so there's a lot of support for people who are like interested in startups at Michigan State when I was there. Um, and there's a group of us who kind of like found each other who who kind of were aware of like what was happening in Silicon Valley and thought that that was something that we wanted to be involved in maybe. Um, and so I like made websites for a lot of those people. Um, and I charged like, I don't know, 10 bucks an hour, something dumb. I should have charged more, but you know, when you're in college, it was enough to eat. Yeah. Yeah. Like you don't really, and I I was on a meal plan. So it was was (laughs) enough to like go to the bar or something. I don't know. Um, yeah. So, um, so basically, um, did that for a bit and kind of got my technical chops in like HTML and CSS mm-hmm. through doing that. 
Um, and like, I also did, it was like design and development, right? It was just like, I'll make you a website. Um, and I had a friend who was majoring in computer science, who's like really, really talented, um, and really good at like rails in particular. Mm -hmm. Um, and so while I was doing that, we would like work together and he would be doing crazy, like, you know, real programming stuff. So he was always kind of an inspiration for me to, you know, to dig a little deeper because I had that just right next to me. Um, and so I started learning some Ruby and like backend stuff, but that was tough. It took, that was, that took a lot longer to kind of, for me to start really to get than front end did. Um, and so like, I remember, you know, I would, I would always build like really sort of half-assed like things. Like I would have some idea and I would do like the front end for it, but I couldn't quite make the back end work. And then I yeah. just never did anything with it. All out of that kind of stuff. But I think it was useful. Um, and I still do like a ton of projects that I don't completely finish just because it's like, I don't know. It's nice to kind of have that mental refresh and to like work on something different, you know, often. Yeah. It kind of gives you creative space. What's well, interesting. Um, it's, uh, it's interesting because what ends up happening is I think within the tech culture right now, everyone's like, make it, make it, make it, make it, make it. It's like we can make things. Yeah. We're smart enough, so make it. And you should be – you're justified by the things that you make. But I, I agree with you. I think – I have a honestly, I have a Dropbox folder full of projects that I've never shown to the world. Some of them are eighty percent done, some are twenty percent done because sometimes you just yeah. sort of want to riff on something new, um, yeah, totally. and it gives you back that like that hunger again, and then you go back to this real important stuff. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, I um, I completely agree with that. That it's good to like have a lot of random stuff going on, and I'll get to that some leader too is like i don't know i'm always like hacking on random stuff and yeah, i got right? like more more things recently that i've been doing too like then now that i've kind of gotten to the point where if i think of something and it's like basic web app normal kind of thing like i can pretty much build it at this point you mm-hmm. know like nothing super technically challenging but just you know basic ideas i can definitely do yeah um so once you get to that point you know then all, all of a sudden like this thing that was just an idea that before you would have thought like oh that's cool and written it down now you're like you know yeah coding a little rails app or something you're um, like uh i'm gonna build it this weekend <laughs> yeah but exactly but anyway so um so the first like uh real experience that i had building something that some people ended up using was um at this thing called startup weekend yep. have you heard of those yeah, yeah they have they had a few in tampa um i like an idiot didn't go when i was in college Probably because I wanted to go drink or something, but um, I'm, I'm familiar with them, yes. Yeah, so, like, my friend organized it um, in Michigan State, and it's funny. We've, like, remained friends, and he lives in San Francisco now, and, you know. Oh, that's cool. It's cool. It's cool because, yeah. you know, it's, like, some people from college, like, kind of talk startups, and they end up going a lot of different directions. Mm-hmm. There are a few of us that have, like, really actually stuck with it, which is yeah, cool. Yeah, that's pretty um, awesome. But, um... But anyway, so he was putting on the startup weekend, and um, I had, like, a few friends that were going, and um, one of them knew, like, PHP pretty good, and mm-hmm. so we built this thing, uh, and then another guy that came knew, like, how to build Mac applications and, like, oh, iOS cool. applications. Yeah. So it was, like, a pretty sick, like, little team that we had, um, and we made this thing called Thoughtback at Startup Weekend that was, like, sort of like a note-taking application. Except okay. it's not for very practical things like to-dos or reminders or anything like that or, like, notes that you need to get to later as some sort of utility. It's more, like, just for thoughts, right? Like, for ideas or, like, reflections. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And because the way it works is you just, every time you put an idea in and hit mm-hmm. save, then it pops up a random one from the past. So you oh, get like a little treat cool. every time yeah. you put one in. Is that still live? It is still live, thoughtback.com. And I think they just made, so my two of my friends um, that we're doing it with, mm-hmm. um, uh, I think are making like an Android app or something. I'm oh, not that's sure. That's so cool. I'm going to try to yeah. find it right now. Um, feel free to keep riffing on Yeah, totally. Thoughtback.com. Oh, this is cool, man. Yeah, this is really cool. This is definitely going to go in the show notes. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah. So basically, that's been around since uh, 2010, I guess, maybe 11. Um, it's just it's not that long ago. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah. So, um, so that like was right when the Mac App Store first launched. Mm-hmm. And so we got in on like opening day. Oh wow! Uh, with the Thoughtback Mac application, and the Mac app got up to like I think number twenty in like the productivity category, or maybe it was just overall. Holy shit! But it was like it was like on the charts for I don't know a week or something. So we got like that drove us like probably twenty thousand users. Wow! And that um, like you're in college, you're like holy shit. Yeah, exactly. It's like what? And like you know. You, we just get in the Mac app store, right? Like, it's not like we did something brilliant. Like, our app didn't go viral or whatever. Yeah. Like, it just kind of beat out the, like, hundred other apps that were in the <laughs> Mac app store on day one, right? Yeah. But, you know, so it's like there was a very small playing field and, like, but it was really cool. It wasn't, like, a source of sustainable growth or anything, but it was just kind of, like, it was a nice little lucky thing that definitely gave me a taste of, like, oh, this is really cool. Yeah. Um, And so... um. And so after that, basically, I think, I think we're like graduating pretty soon after that from college. And, um, I, I met this guy named Zach Steinler who was, he's one of the co-founders of Olark and he lives in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And I met him at like a meetup that I used to put on called Hackers and Hustlers. Um, And so Hackers and Hustlers basically is, like, um, people that are interested in startups in Michigan um, with an emphasis on people who can code um, because there's kind of a lot of Michigan people who are, like, you know, interested in startups, but they don't code, and they're not really going to teach themselves to code. And it's just not, like, the hacker, like, let's make stuff Yeah. culture. It was more of the kind of, like... I read TechCrunch culture? Yeah. It's, like, I read TechCrunch and... Also, like, kind of this economic development thing, because in Michigan, there's all this unemployment, and yeah, that's the economy's true. not so hot, and mm-hmm. so there's this whole different twist on, like, what it meant to be interested in startups in Michigan around that time than um, there is now, right? Because now it's, like, just sort of, it's becoming a lot more pop culture. It's almost a form of, like, entertainment, really. Um, like yeah. what apps people are using, what apps are out, like websites people are using, just like the whole internet culture is kind of like matured to a point where, um, I don't know. There's just, a, it's very different now. Well, but, it's like um, the internet culture is culture, right? right? They, they blend It's One is they're the same because we're not, totally. we're, the internet kids aren't kids anymore. We're adults and we're driving business. We're driving, you know, what people are doing. So that's yeah. just, it's interesting though. I, 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 look at that stuff sometimes i try to avoid it as much as possible (laughs) yeah um so um so yeah so anyway i had a conversation with zach steinler and he was like you should come intern at olark 
you know, after you graduate. And I was mm-hmm. like, that sounds cool. So, um, but at first I was like, no, like, you know, I'm doing my own startup, blah, blah, blah. At the time, I don't remember what the startup idea was. There was always like, in college, there was always some sort of startup idea that I was vaguely working on that yeah. was like, you know, oh, we're going to be like Google Analytics for your grades or something. <laughs> You know, yeah. how are we going to get the data? We don't know. It doesn't matter. Like, yeah, whatever. it doesn't matter. I'm There's, working on something. Yeah, I'm, yeah exactly. Um, and, you know, I think it was a sort of a necessary phase of my development. But looking back, it's definitely a little bit embarrassing to think about, like, <laughs> to think about all the dumb stuff that I thought I was working on. <laughs> uh, okay. I mean, you know, it's interesting, yeah. though, because I had I had something, too. Uh, me and my oh, buddy really? Mark. Mark and I moved up to New York. We lived together. But... We, him and I had a particular problem and it was that we were inundated with Facebook invites for stupid things that our friends at college were giving us. Lost my cell phone, send me your numbers. Yeah, well that, that stuff's okay, but it was like, uh, this party, this pep rally, this pep rally, this random business fraternity happy hour with cheese potluck. It was so weird. With cheese. Yeah, it was like, we would get them all the time and he was in a fraternity, so he got even more because of like the, um inner fraternal communications and stuff so we wanted to create an app called schoolyard which um we had another developer who's a php guy and we were going to make it and essentially just going to be the events portion of facebook but in a web app and the idea would be like you know similar to how facebook started we would um you you know school by school basis you'd only have access if you had a school um, email address but it was strictly for um school functions, school events, and school groups. And, like, yep. we hashed out a lot of it, but then we just got really busy. And, you know, we didn't want it probably as much as we should have. Yeah. Yeah, plus, like, events, startups are one of those things that I think have been tried, like, a thousand times. Yeah. There well, was someone yeah. that I was friends with in college that, like, tried to do an events thing, and it's just really hard. Yeah, because it's it's an it's an added step, right? It's like... Oh, yeah. if someone wants to throw an event, they're like, hey, I want to have a party. And then it's like, oh, wait, where do I want to put it online? Facebook, Eventbrite, fucking Ticketmaster. You know what I mean? It's like, obviously, they can't yeah. put it on Ticketmaster. But like, we, yeah, yeah, we, we, we hashed out some things and things sort of got formalized, but then they never really went it. I think we got as far as design. Um, and gotcha. then we just got busy. Final Finals hit. I think that's what it was. Finals. Yep. The dream killer. Yeah. So bad. <laughs> so bad. All right. But um, that's funny. <laughs> So, like, d- did you turn him down for the internship offer? Yeah, at first, yeah. <laughs> I'm really glad that I reconsidered. Yeah, yeah, But, yeah. like, he asked – I think he knew, like, you know, I was vulnerable. So, I'm just kidding. Not, like, vulnerable in the sense of, like, vulnerability for real, but, like, that I – you know, he knew that, he knew that like, what he was offering was ultimately way better for me yeah. than what I was doing. And so, I think he asked again, like, a couple weeks later, and he's like, have you thought about it? Like, you should really consider this. And I thought about it some more, and I remember I was, like, at home kind of over spring break. Some my roommates and I were, like, on a road trip through the south because their Michigan guys had never really been in the south. I grew up in Arkansas. So yeah. We were at, I was at home over spring break, and I was thinking, like, wait, oh, crap, I forgot. He would let me move to California. Yes, I'm doing it because, like, <laughs> Olark, I forgot, was, like, based in Palo Alto. Yeah. And I, like, had this realization. I was like, wait, I can move to California? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, oh, done, sold. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind that you get to work with a great company. You get to move to sunny California. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, like, the great company part was definitely a huge thing for me. And, like, I already knew that they were cool. 
But like the thing that really pushed it over the edge was it was like, oh, I'm gonna go to like Palo Alto, yeah. like which to me at the time that was like where everything was. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't really thinking as much about San Francisco at the time. It wasn't until after I moved here that I was like, oh crap, everything's in San Francisco. Yeah. But um, yeah. So I got to Palo Alto um, after I graduated, and I was like, oh, this is great. This is amazing. I'm working at a startup. Like I was an intern at the time, but you know, it's pretty much just like me and like the founders and a few other people at that point mm-hmm. um were you a so paid really, intern i was a paid intern Sweet. yeah i was, like the graduated college and everything yeah. yeah it was cool i like lived in their house in palo alto and i didn't pay any rent and i got some free food and they paid me like almost nothing but it was enough because i didn't have to pay for like room or board basically yeah you don't have to pay but, for yeah. the stuff that people pay for exactly so they basically like you know scooped me like off the street you know took me in and gave me a home, all that kind of stuff. Um, and it was amazing. I worked there for like a year and a half. Um, and Olark is a great company. Um, and the founders are like just genuinely good people, you know, like the yeah. kind of people that you know you're going to be friends with for a very long time because they just have your back in a way yeah. that like – They care about you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It really does have that kind of family vibe, Olark. Um, and, yeah, it's just like – it's really um, – it was a really, it was a really good experience for me to get to learn and be a part of like a team for the first time. Mm-hmm. And like, I was doing a lot of design stuff, but in the course of it, I got better and better at development. And I was doing a lot of like little side project hack kind of things um, to basically, you know, flesh out my development abilities. So like, sure. I remember. I made this jobs board like for hackers and hustlers, the meetup that I started. Mm-hmm. And like also the Facebook group for hackers and hustlers was getting pretty big. Um, so I like learned how to like scrape the like data off of it and analyze it and stuff like that. So I was like doing, I was like having cool, like fun projects and things like that. Yeah. Um, and it was awesome because, you know, I was surrounded by like, Olark is a very technical culture. It's basically like the two main teams are like, it's technical. Um, because there's not, a, I mean, it's just like this little chat widget. Like there's not a ton of sort of user interface, right. Yeah. For people to use. So it's, it's all about sort of like message delivery and like speed and like making sure that like the JavaScript widget is not having a bug on people's sites. Cause yep. like, you know, when you've got a little JavaScript app that like executes in the context of someone else's, you know, site, yeah, there's you, just lots of room for, you have to account for them. shitty code essentially. Yeah, Exactly. And there's just, like, lots of crazy scalability problems because if you think about it, our servers get pinged every time one of our customers' pages loads. So, like, you know, it's basically like we have all of the traffic of our customers. Yeah. Like that's... <laughs> that's crazy. So, yeah, yeah. Would you guys so, – wait, how many – would you – how would you solve for that? I mean, I don't know, just, like, good engineering and, like, a ton of servers – <laughs> like yeah, they just have like a ton of servers basically. But I mean, they did. They didn't. There was times when the site went down. Like it was always stressful when something was happening. Yeah, we would always have like you know postmortems and things like that. Um, but I mean, overall, I think the the main focus of everything when I was there was like stability and scalability because mm-hmm. they're in this just crazy mode where um, the business was growing like pretty fast, but like even faster was like the scalability because for every new customer you get, you get all their traffic. So yeah. like it was just very kind of stability and scalability oriented. Um, 
and there wasn't a ton of room for like crazy ambitious new product or feature development. Yeah. Um, and so like eventually I just got kind of bored and like they're amazing people and it's a great company, but like at the end of the day, if you're a product person, you want to build interesting new products and the main problems of this company are not like we need interesting new products, but it's like we need reliable systems that can scale and I'm not a guy to do that. You know, it's just kind of like, eh, yeah. So you just get into a position where you start spinning your wheels almost. Yeah, totally. And I got to work on some interesting stuff there. Like, um, I worked on this, uh, feature that was like sort of, it's, it's sort of like, um, you know, those automated marketing things like Pardot where it's kind of like all these conditions. Like if the visitor has like this and this attribute, then like send them this email and yeah. like do a drip campaign, and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like that. But for Olark, it was like taking all this information that we have about your visitors, like how long they've been on your site, which pages they visited, where they are geographically, like based on their IP address, all that kind of stuff. And then allowing you to execute custom actions based on those attributes. So like send the visitor a message, label them as something in your like chat window. That's nuts. Like hide the chat box from them so they can't talk to you. Right. Cause like a lot of our customers are e-commerce and maybe they don't ship to people like in Europe. Sure. So why would you show chat to someone in Europe? <laughs> yeah, no, that makes um, sense. But so you guys yeah. would, I guess this was, and this is for my own clarification. You guys mm-hmm. are pulling data on your client. So hypothetically, if your client is amazon.com, yeah. um, you guys were pulling data on amazon.com site visitors. Well, yeah, but it's very like, it's, it's kind of lightweight data. Like the same way that Google analytics pulls data. And, like, we didn't really store it. It was just sort of, like, it's kind of, like, on a per-session basis. Gotcha. And it it doesn't sound like it was, like, oh, this is Miss Mary's computer. She's 23. She's white, blonde hair, you know, Yeah, not that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's more like this person has visited this URL and been on the page for more than 20 seconds. Mm -hmm. Or, like, IP address geolocation was probably as crazy as it got. But that's, like, pretty standard. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so... I got to work on that, like the user interface and the marketing site for that. Um, and then the other big thing that I worked on was um, the – we basically had this um, integration with like iChat or Adium or any of your kind of normal desktop IM clients, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but we didn't have our own interface. So if you wanted to use Olark, you had to basically um, – configure with some other piece of like desktop software or you could use like amiibo or something like a yeah. web-based chat but um you know that's not so great for people who just want to test something out really quick right yep. like takes it's a bunch of steps to kind of get going so the very last thing that i worked on there was um basically this uh web app that would let you chat from olark just kind of like you know, right from your browser without having to, you know, download or configure anything. Yeah. And so that's cool because it's still, it's like one of the bigger focuses of the business now. And they have like a whole big team of people working on it. Um, and it's really cool to have been involved kind of in that when it's, when it's ended up having a pretty big impact I yeah, think, on their business. That's pretty sweet. So I, I sort of want to know a little bit, what, how long was that particular project for you? I started... Um, and I had like other things here and there to do, but mm-hmm. I started in like, uh, February ish maybe and lasted until like, I think I left Olark in October. Okay. Was there any, um, really, really fun or really, really scary moments that stand out when you were there? 
fun and scary. It scary doesn't have to be like I'm about to get yeah, fired. Obviously, definitely. Um, I think the scariest moment was just like telling them that I was leaving to start a startup. Um, oh wow! Yeah, I mean, I, that was yeah, that was like um, in October, like a little year and a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so October, I guess, 2012. Um, but that I mean that was really scary because, like I said, like they had basically taken me you know as just a college student kind of brat with like very little actual skills kind of like some promise but you know a lot of enthusiasm but yeah. pretty rough you know still around the edges um and you know they put up with me for a year and a half right and like taught me a lot of things <laughs> yeah I bet. so it was really tough to be like well you know i think i'd learn more like doing my own startup which eventually you know moral of that story is I didn't learn that much more doing my own startup, but I, I did end up in a pretty good place at general assembly. Yeah. Um, what was the startup? Oh man. Um, yeah, not to fast forward too much. I want to tell some more stories about Ulark, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah. basically the startup was, um, the startup was, uh, basically we wanted to build something like, like forum software, but that didn't, what didn't suck and wasn't like kind of old school. Yeah. So kind of like Facebook groups, but being able to customize a lot of stuff about your Facebook group a lot more and having it exist kind of on a platform. Gotcha. Um, but um, that didn't work out like for a bunch of reasons, but the main one being um, it's just way easier to start a group on a platform that people already use. Yep. So either email or Facebook are pretty much the two. Yeah. Well, it, <laughs> it's a it's a problem of herding cats, right? Like, it's not so much yep. that this platform is better. It's you have to get people there. And yep, exactly. that's hard. So, yeah, we ended up only working on that for, like, a month, basically. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we started working, like, and then we just kind of spun our wheels, and I got interested in, like, helping people learn to code. Yep. And my co-founder, like, decided to go back into politics which was like something that his parents did, and like he's from Chicago and okay. All that stuff. Was that but, um, was that around the time that you and I first spoke? Probably, yeah. That's actually probably how we met. Enough to be dangerous, huh? Yeah, yeah. That was it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Enough to be dangerous was basically like the thing to do instead of the like failed group startup idea. Gotcha. Yeah, that was when we first spoke. Yeah, That's well, funny. that worked like out for me. Ago. Thanks for doing that. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Um, yeah, so um, I'm trying to think if there's any, like, fun times at Olark that I should particularly highlight. I mean, it's just the whole thing. Like, I just, it's like moving out to California, right, like, mm-hmm. and everything that entails. Like, going to meet, like, with real startups and, like, see the Google offices and, like, you know, yeah. go to, like, San Francisco and going surfing with the team. Like, random stuff, but just, like, getting out of Michigan and coming to California um, was a amazing learning experience for me and i would definitely like you know anyone who's thinking should i stay put or should i risk something new i would definitely advise risk something new always because you can always stay put when you're old you know yeah (laughs) it's basically that's like it's 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 really easy to stay put when you're old but like when you're young when you're young it's like a lot it's a lot easier to to try new things yeah that dude that makes total sense it's interesting because i think you know when i was in college I source at least me and my friends in particular, we celebritized a lot of the startup and tech stuff that was going on. And totally. granted, I, you know, I graduated college in 2011, so not that long ago, but 
even in 2010, TechCrunch was actually writing decent articles, right? And oh, I, totally, and, yeah. And I'm, if you can't tell, I'm biased. I don't like TechCrunch anymore because it's sort of become like this pop culture thing. Um, yeah. But and um, this is totally facetious. This did not happen in 2010. But back then, TechCrunch would write an article about color and their crazy 41 million dollar like seed funding, mm-hmm. and then actually go into like real thought and prose about why or how they could spend that money and like what the product should be and how it's going to be beneficial to people. And now it's just like Bill Nguyen spent $41 million on a champagne bottle party. Like it's like stupid right. shit. It's like, I'm not trying yeah. to read people watch magazine, man. Like, you know, um, but I, well, still... there's a lot of this sort of like tech hate now. There's like the tech yeah. backlash. Yeah. Well, that's um, like Valley wag, right. Or some nonsense like that. Right. Yeah. Well, Valley wag like existed in the first tech bubble and then shut down for a while and then yeah. now it's back up. Um, but it's not like, I don't know. It's I think I think it's not about like TechCrunch as a whole. It's just like there are individual TechCrunch writers yes. that I really like. Like Ryan Lawler writes really good stuff. For, Does he? Like, I'll have to instance. check him out. Ryan Lawler. Yeah. Ryan Lawler, like uh he's on Product Hunt too. Um Okay. And, and Oh yeah, that's one like, of your I, things, right? Yeah. Um so there's like definitely individual good reporters um that have like genuinely good analysis. But I think you're right. I think you're spot on that like the culture as a whole is not, not kind of where it needs to be. Yeah. Um, Well, like publications, I I think, I think, how can I say this in in a good way? I think there's still people working in garages somewhere making some really awesome shit. Yeah. The problem is that those people in garages don't make good enough compelling stories for ads to get clicks on TechCrunch, on Mashable, on, whatever other platform so it's like unfortunately this sensationalized story about startup a or startup b is really what drives the content because at the end of the day it's still a business which stinks yeah totally no i completely feel you on that one um yeah so so basically like i guess back to the (laughs) back to the story yeah yeah, um left olark um that was really hard but ultimately, I think it was a good decision. I, I, it was definitely a good decision. Um, and yeah, I did my own startup for a bit. First idea, pretty much failed. Um, but by this point, this is actually when I'm leaving Olark and like working on some of my own stuff, mm-hmm. I really was pretty shaky at coding until then. Now, like, and since then, I've, since I've had to be a bit more independent about all the projects that I've worked on, mm-hmm. I've learned a ton of stuff about programming. Um, and that's really all happened in the past like year and a half. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So basically, um, did, did the group idea that didn't work. Um, co-founder leaves. Um, and I build this thing called Scratchpad. Yep. Which is basically like, we start working on this idea for like some kind of maybe interactive book type thing Mm -hmm. that would teach programming called enough to be dangerous. Um, and it would teach you how to build like your first web application, basically. Sure. Um, and that was pretty cool. But we got to the point where we were teaching HTML and CSS, and I was just thinking of all the problems. Like, you have to find some suitable text editor, which is like takes a while. You kind of worry maybe this is like expensive. If I get a free one, maybe it's not good. It's just a bunch of decisions around that, right? Yep. Then you have to figure out how to like make files on your own computer. You have to figure out where you want to put them. You yep. have to figure out that you can open up the files in your browser, which is like its own kind of epiphany, right? Especially um, for people who don't know it. 
Yeah, totally. Totally. If you've never done that before, the idea that you could open a file using like Google Chrome seems just crazy. Yep. Um, and then you have to like edit your code, hit save, go over to your browser and hit refresh. Mm-hmm. And it's just like an annoying feedback loop. It's really slow. Um, and so I thought like it would be cool if you could make a site that was really simple, kind of like, you know, CodePen or JS Fiddle or one of these sites that exist, but less about kind of debugging and less about like, here's all your little boxes for your different types of code. And like, mm-hmm. here's all these features, like, you know, we're going to use SCSS instead of CSS and all that kind of stuff. More just like really simple HTML and CSS, like experimentation mode that uh, had a larger emphasis on the kind of real time aspect of it. Yep. So you go to a page because another huge thing is like sharing with people, right? That like once you've built something. Sure. So you go to Scratchpad um, and it redirects you to like a random URL and you can start typing HTML and CSS on the left-hand side. And then on the right, you see a real-time preview of what you're building. Gotcha. Um, and you can send that URL to anyone and then it can kind of collaborate Google Docs style. Oh, um, I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah. So, um, so that was the basic idea, just because I wanted something that would be easier to use when like teaching people, um, and you know it's like one of those things that I built a, in a weekend or like and then polished for a couple of days and then we put on Hacker News. Like it's not a serious, it's not like something that I ever thought would be like a big deal, mm-hmm. but I just built it right. Like I think I just I don't know I just had the idea on a bus and I was like let's try this out. This could yeah. work. Like you know, so. Um, yeah, so basically um, built that, put it on Hacker News, and the next day I get like an email from the co-founder of General Assembly and an email from the co-founder of Codecademy and like a couple other people. Holy and shit! And it's just really yeah, it's just really cool because like I I mean I, I had no idea that that would like really do anything. Like I wanted I wanted for it to kind of make a splash and to kind of get. Um, advertising for enough to be dangerous and like drive hopefully some people to get interested in that. But like what it really ended up doing was set me up for sort of the next phase in my career. Now that my co-founder had left and I wasn't really in a position to like raise money at that point for anything and like Mm -hmm. didn't really know what I was doing. Um, and I just realized I needed to like find a job. Um, and you know, like I did, I did like a trial, like contract work with, um, a friend of mine's startup, which was kind of like, it was cool and like, they're good people, but it wasn't really the right fit. Like for, like, I, I really needed to, and wanted to be in more of like a product role, um, than just kind mm-hmm. of like a front end developer role kind of a thing. Um, sure. so basically like it, it set me up, it set me up for the next phase of things. Um, and I had conversations with a lot of people and eventually ended up joining general assembly. Um, I just really clicked with Brad, Brad Hargraves, who's one of the co-founders and the chief product officer. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so, uh, they ended up buying Scratchpad. That's awesome for you. Yeah. I mean, you know, not for a ton, but. <laughs> well, I mean, how long did you take to build it? Uh, like a week. So like, you know, hours, uh, I guess. Hours spent versus, yeah. you know, price tag. You probably made yeah. up pretty well. <laughs> that's true I mean, a, lot a lot of, of beer is, okay that's true that's true lifetime lifetime supply of beer for one weekend um <laughs> <laughs> no it was a little more than that but anyway um yeah so uh <laughs> um j- joining general assembly has been has been really cool um because they basically gave me the opportunity to 
take Scratchpad, take some of the ideas that I had for enough to be dangerous, and turn it into um, pretty much whatever I wanted. Like, it was pretty, like, open form. It was like, hey, let's just build something cool that will teach people something. Yeah. And, like, and it's it on should a huge definitely platform work too. well. F- exactly. It should definitely, like, work well for our students, and maybe if it's good enough, we can, like, publish it to the broader kind of world. Um, and so that evolved into Dash. Um, and I spent from, yeah, February, like, yeah, like basically I started at GA as a contractor early February, um, and we finally launched in, like, October. So I spent that whole period basically just working on Dash, um, which took a lot longer than we thought because it turns out, like, there's sort of two hard problems. One problem is building a platform that works really well for users, yep. and two is making good content for that platform, mm-hmm. right? Those are the two big pieces of building, like, an online learning thing. Um, and so... Um, Building the content was really hard, and we threw away a lot of lessons because we just kept like thinking of ideas of ways to make it better and like trying them out and finding that yes, users like this more. So um, it was a very like it was definitely a super iterative approach. Um, and yeah, there's like a couple versions of the code base that got thrown away too, um, just because we would like keep having better ideas, wanted to rewrite it to be more efficient, all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Um, but that was like honestly. Um, probably the happiest period of my like working life just because like um, I, I was able to sort of do everything from like front end, back end, design, product strategy, everything. Um, and I didn't have to worry about anything else. I was mm-hmm. just creating this thing. Um, and that feels amazing. The opportunity to be in that type of situation with so few distractions yeah. or like other obligations and to be just really focused on this one thing um it was really cool and um i definitely i definitely like learned a lot about what i want and what i look for in like my career kind mm-hmm. of like i'm not one of those types that i think can just like float around on a bunch of different projects or like be just kind of like the front end design guy that's like give me your front end give me your product and i'll like make the front end design really good you know like yep um, I'm also not one of those guys that could just be like an executive that doesn't really act directly on building stuff. Like, yeah. I don't, I think I would probably get unhappy after a while. Like maybe I'm not sure, but I think I would get unhappy after a while if I like didn't code Yeah. <laughs> or like build things. Like I like to actually build the real thing, like not just manage a team of people building a thing. Yep. I know. Um, I feel, I feel the same way. Yeah. So, um, so in terms of my unhappiness, that was huge. Um, and um, when we did finally launch in October, it was like really a huge relief almost just because it's like this thing's finally out there. Like mm-hmm. it had been out there, like it had been actually growing pretty well before we even launched just because it was like we had never really announced it, but it was kind of publicly available. And Dash? Didn't really have to like, yeah, Dash. Um, and so there's like, you know, there's a growing an increasing number of signups even before we launched. But yeah. when we finally did launch, it was nice to just kind of have it out there, have it be a thing in the world, you know, get like TechCrunch and whoever, like NextWeb and all those people to write about it. Um, and um, it was cool because up until the launch, it had been pretty much just me. And then towards the end, we had hired a, a content developer to help with content for the site. And she's like amazing and has turned out to be like 
the most productive force behind Dash, like from then until now, because yeah. I've been working on some other stuff. Um, but basically, like uh, around launch, I got to interact with a lot of other people on the team, and it was cool to sort of like watch watch everything come together and see like all these other amazing people who I hadn't really directly worked with as much up until that point. Um, like this guy Tian produced an amazing video, right? Like our PR director, Marty, like did an amazing job getting all the press. It was just really cool to like watch a team of people kind of come together um, and, and make something special happen. That's um, really cool, man. So, so I have, yeah. I, I do have a question in regards to that. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to make an assumption here and I'm making it in hopes that you have a really cool story. Um, throughout this process of making dash, you mentioned that you guys had to throw away some code bases. You sort of restarted it a little bit during that time. What was like the biggest hurdle in that project? And a hurdle doesn't have to be a bad thing, right? Oh yeah. It's totally. not like, Oh, I almost got fired. It could be anything that was just problematic. Even like down to like figuring out what's the best kind of content. The biggest hurdle, honestly, was at the end when we had spent all this time making Dash and throwing away a whole bunch of stuff, and we knew that it was really good. Like, users, like, I could send the URL to someone who said they were interested in learning to code Mm -hmm. and pretty much guarantee a response, like, wow, this is fantastic. Like, not just like, oh, cool, thanks, I'll check it out. But, like, people really fucking like it. And that was an amazing feeling, but the problem we then had was how do we explain it to the world because it's not like some new innovative like positioning mm-hmm. like code academy already exists yep treehouse already exists code school already exists the basic premise is it's like these new things that are like interactive online learning things um are starting to come out and the first one it's like holy crap you can learn interactively online and then after that it's kind of like well there's this sort of lull where yep. people are like, oh, it's already been done. And then I think what we're starting to realize now is it's kind of like when the first movie came out. And it's like, just because the first one, it's like, oh, man, it's a moving picture. Mm-hmm. Like, you can tell a story with it. Holy crap. Like, all right, so what? Like, how good is the story? Yeah. Right? And yeah, so essentially, true. like, what's happening now with interactive online sort of learning type things, which we're seeing a ton of them, right? Like, there is somebody who launched one for chess recently. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm really interested. I think you could probably do one. I saw someone had an idea, like, for English. Like, literally just for, like, learning English, right? Oh, that's There's cool. There's all these cool things. Yeah. Like, you could do lots of – you can do lots of cool stuff. Um, but it's all it's all about just, like, how good the experience is for the user. And I think people have a continual desire to learn. It's like content, right? It's kind of like a video game. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, – and, you know, there's always going to be new and better ways of teaching things. Um, and there will be new new ways of teaching something that maybe you already know, but you just want to do because you want a refresher and it's interesting, right? Yeah. It's like documentaries or something. Um, and so um, I don't think it's like that there's any more – I don't think it's the case that there's no room in the market for new learning stuff because someone already did one once. But I think the phase that we were in at that point in October – which is like very recently was kind of, well, how is this different from code Academy? And that's kind of like saying like, how is Die Hard different from, I don't know, independence day or something yeah. like they're both, vi- you know, it's just like subtle differences, right? Yep. But like we think that we have a more overall compelling experience because we've put so much time 
into the content um, and we've worked and reworked it and edited it and changed it. And you know what I mean? Like yeah. Code Academy is fundamentally like a platform where they have users create lessons for free and you can learn based off of what other people did for free. Yep. And it's kind of like, you know, same reason why going to a movie theater is different from watching a YouTube video, right? Yeah. Like no, <laughs> YouTube a, videos can be awesome. Comparison. Yeah. Yeah. YouTube videos can be awesome and they have their place, but like, you know, there's also a place for other stuff that's maybe like people spent more time working on the content. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, that was, we got sort of, we got, we got a little bit nervous about if people would be like GA copies code Academy. Because uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The process that, um, that we all, that we went through together did not feel like we were copying something, you know, like we sure. felt like we came up with something that was really good and that deserves mm-hmm. to exist. Um, but it's it's a little bit hard to explain how it's different. No, that's you know? fair. Eh, it's okay. That's not. I mean, to me, that's not a horrible problem to have, right? And I'm I'm a firm believer that if something deserves to exist, it should exist, even if it's in three different forms. I think you could pair. You could look at Treehouse and Code School. They hypothetically do the exact same thing. It's both paid content for learning something new. But they're different. Treehouse wants to put you in a position to where you can become a hireable or employable person based off of the skills you learn via Treehouse. Cold School, I'm not sure where their proposition is, to be honest. I should because I just had Dan Denny on the show and he works on Code School, so it's bad for me. But I think it's more like about – it's like more advanced topics. It's yeah. like you already know how to code a little bit and you want to learn in a kind of fun, interactive yeah. Code Academy style way about mm-hmm. something that's a little bit more there advanced you than what they teach it's, on Code Academy. It's for the novice rather than the the amateur, I guess right. we could say, right? There you um, go. Yeah, and they do the exact same thing. Both videos, um, they have slight differences. I think Treehouse does like a question. They do like a quiz at the end, whereas Code School does like an interactive. You build things using the content that you just learned. But they're essentially the same. But they both deserve to exist. And they're yeah. both really good. I actually use both of them from time to time. Like if I want to learn Ruby stuff, I'll I'll watch both videos along with reading a book about Ruby. Um, and I think they totally. all they all work in the same space. I completely agree with that too. Like it's like video games. If you're into video games, you're gonna play a lot of them. It's not like a competitive thing. Like email client, it's not really practical for me to use like Gmail and Yahoo. Yeah. Like I kind of just have to pick. Yep. <laughs> no, it's not like that's that a good way to put stuff. it. Yeah, because it's – well, there's different ways to learn, right? Like email email comes and goes the same way. You compose and you send the same way. So competitors in that space, it's a market share buy. Otherwise, you know, it's – you have to have something else compelling. Yeah. Um, so we're coming close to the end. we got a few more questions. Um, we've heard your story up to this point, sounds like, which you've had some, some turns and it sounds like that you've had a fun time. What – um. If you could give yourself advice or advice to newcomers, newcomers to the industry, um, what would you what would you say? I think the best place to start is just by making shit. Like, there's no there's no kind of limit to what you can do if you can directly just build things and send them to people and for them to get value out of it or for it to somehow make their lives better. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of people would like the idea of doing that, but convince themselves that maybe it's just too hard or they don't really want to be a programmer. Like, I don't want to just be a programmer, so I shouldn't learn to code because then I would just be a programmer. Like, no, learning to code does not reduce 
your design skill. In fact, it like enhances it, right? Sure. Like yeah, learning yeah, yeah. to code does not make you have any less good of a product sense, mm-hmm. right? Like, so um, I think a lot of people are afraid of kind of getting put in a box, and they they worry about which box maybe most suits them. But like for me, like I think that um, it's worked out really well for me to kind of not worry about what like where I might fit in in the traditional like job function kind of thing of like you're a front end developer, you're a back end developer, you're a visual designer, you're you're a user experience researcher, you're a product manager. Yeah. Like my title is product manager, but like I don't I don't know. Like it's just whatever. And that's like, you know, maybe that doesn't work for everyone, but at least for me, um it's the most fun to just think of myself as a person who builds cool shit on the internet. Yeah. And I'm aspiring to make the shit even cooler than yeah. I build every day. And so like that's that's like all it really comes down to is like what the user cares about, which yeah. is like show me something new, give me something that's valuable. No, that makes total sense. I think uh I totally agree with you on making cool shit. That was one of the biggest things that really motivated motivated me um into really you know, I, I knew a little bit of code, but really like saying, you know, fuck this, I wanna do this, I wanna do it full time because I yeah. I want to be a part of that group that says, hey, I made stuff, right? In my opinion, coding is, is the modern-day woodworker or shoe cobbler or you know con- construction worker. Our grandfathers, grandfathers, grandfathers might have built cabins and, and barns and houses and stuff like that. And we don't really do that anymore. I mean, people still do that. It's probably might not be as noble to some people uh, in terms of as a profession. But we are that modern woodworker or shoe cobbler at this point, and that's just sort of yeah. the way our generation is. Totally. Completely agree. Um, all right. So two more things. This one is the secret fun time question, the question that you don't know until I ask it. I pro- okay. I promise you it's not going to be bad. Um, growing up, what was your favorite pair of shoes that you would refuse to throw away? Holes in the bottom, shoelaces shoes. broke, your mother tried to hide them from you. Which one were they? Oh, man. I, I don't know if there's one specific pair, but I do have a habit of, Definitely every pair of shoes that I have, like once I kind of get them to the point where they feel good, mm-hmm. I do not want to let that go. <laughs> and like when you get a new pair of shoes, they just suck to wear yeah. for like a really long time. Like no matter what, it just sucks to wear them. Like it's painful on your feet, at least for me. Maybe my feet are just really sensitive. But so like pretty much every pair of shoes I have, like by the time I finally let them go, it's been I should have done that like um pretty much a year ago or like six months ago at least. Yeah. No, that's totally I know the feeling. I had a pair of sandals. Um they're Sanook sandals. Um okay. and, and they're made out of beer koozies. Like the same like soft, supple, like squishy material. Oh. Nice. Um it was when I was in college, I worked at PacSun and I bought that they were on sale. I was like five dollars for a pair of sandals, done deal. And I lived in Tampa, so you know, it was yeah. multiple use. Sandals all year, baby. Yeah, Tampa. basically. Um, <laughs> I would wear. I could wear them for like an eight, ten hour shift at work, and my feet or back wouldn't hurt. It was incredible. Nice. Yeah, those things were amazing. Um, all right, and then we have one more thing, and this is sort of like the plug. Anything you'd like to plug? Your own products? Maybe you're doing a talk soon. Maybe it's a project you just built. Maybe it's General Assembly. Anything you want. Anything under the sun. Maybe your political affiliations, if you feel so privy to do that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Um, man, what should I plug? I want to plug, I'll plug, um, I'll plug Albert Einstein's biography. Um, <laughs> no, that's cool, <laughs> no, it's man. Really good, that's though. super fun. It's really cool. good though. The guy who wrote Steve Jobs' biography 
also wrote one of Albert Einstein that I've been reading, and it's really good. Um, but also, um, one thing I didn't talk about was Product Hunt. Um, okay. That's a new thing that I'm working on with Ryan Hoover. It's just a side project, um, and it doesn't involve a lot of coding, but it is really fun. It's just like, um, like you said, with TechCrunch or other tech blogs, it's kind of like the thing that people, I think, one of the main things I like to see out of that stuff is new cool shit that's being built. Yep. Right? Like, it doesn't need to be necessarily world-changing, but it should just be new and cool. Yeah. Right? Like, show me the new stuff and order it by coolness is essentially, like, what it boils down to, right? Yeah, like, that's exactly what it is. Um, and so Product Hunt just does exactly that. It's like a daily leaderboard um, of the best new products. And so um, it's ProductHunt.co. So that's fun. Um, is it, when then, you say, sorry to interrupt, when you say it's, oh, new, go for it. it's new products, are these things that, like, you guys have tried? Or you're literally just like, hey, this launched three hours ago, we got it on, you know, and we have the name and the link and, like, a quick synopsis of yeah. what it is, what it does. It's kind of like Hacker, Hacker News, right? It's just, like, a uh, list okay. of links. Gotcha. But, I mean, it's, it's a little different, but that's, think of it like Hacker News, like, anyone can submit. Sure. Kind of no, well, that's, that's really anyone cool. anyone yet, but eventually anyone. It's gotcha. kind of. We're worried about like spammy stuff. So no, that's fair. Products. Des- um, uh, designer hacker news and all them do it. You have to you have to have a username in order to submit stuff. Yeah. Um. So then the other thing to plug is this too many plugs? Nah, man. <laughs> this is this um, is your time. The last plug is of course General Assembly. Um. I think that basically, if you're interested in like actually building real things, but you don't know how to code. Maybe you've tried to do stuff on the internet before. Um, maybe you're interested in like user experience design. Maybe you're interested in product management. Um, they don't really like the, the industry is so new that we haven't figured out how people, how to train people to do these jobs yet, um, mm-hmm. but they're needed. And yep. so there's a shortage of people that are capable of doing them. And so um Basically, like, you know, this is not stuff that they teach in college. It's almost like a vocational school, right? But it's, Mm -hmm. like, for, like you said, it's, like, back in the day, maybe it was, like, a carpenter. Now it's, like, a front-end developer, right? Yep. Same principle, right? Um, But it's well worth the investment to, like, actually learn with a personal relationship with an instructor and to feel like a part of a community of people who are all dedicated to having that same outcome, right, that are, like, actually serious about it. Mm -hmm. It's kind of, like, it's an opportunity to prove to yourself that you're serious about it because I know that I always questioned, like, well, yeah, I'm kind of interested in doing that, but, like, am I really? Uh, I don't know. So it's a way to answer that question, right, to, like, make a commitment. Um, But but definitely for anyone listening that's, like, thinking about it, you should at least just check it out, maybe come to, like, an event or something, see what the campus is like Um, because it really is, I've seen sort of, the effect that these kinds of courses can have on people. And it's definitely transformational. Um, and it all ultimately depends on what you put into it. Like that's how much you'll get out of it. But, um, but it's a very fertile opportunity for, for putting a lot in and getting a lot out. That's pretty awesome, man. Um, we're coming to an end here. Do you have, uh, any like questions you have for me? I know you were talking most of the time, obviously you were the guest on the show, but anything, uh, you want to throw my way? Oh, man. I mean, like, so many things. But I feel like that's a whole other conversation. Sure, sure, sure. What we need to do is meet up for beers next time I'm in New York. Yes, that'll be cool, man. All right. Yeah, but congrats on this because it's awesome. And, um, like, I'm really, really excited to see more coming from the start because uh, I feel like the way that you set it up and structure it leads to super interesting stuff. 
So thanks, man. I just want to well, that, say that's the hope. Congrats on this, and definitely keep it up. Yeah, we will, dude. I appreciate it. Um, so I think that's all the time we have for today for this show. Um, I just want to say thanks to Nathan Bashaw for joining us, and yeah, you guys have a good one. Thanks, Nathan. Thank you.